Acts chapter 2, the day of Pentecost. And um, in fact, in Acts chapter 1, verses 1 to 5, I'm going to go fairly quickly and I'm going to just skip over some things. Is that okay? But it says, the former treaties have I made, O Theophilus. This is Luke writing. He wrote the Gospel of Luke to a person by the name of Theophilus. And then he, in the book of Acts, he writes again a follow-up work to the book of Luke. And he says, of all that Jesus began both to do and teach. Everyone say began. Began, began to do and teach. In other words, he only started it. We have to finish it. Amen. Okay? Say to do and to teach. Yeah. To do and to teach. Say, so I need to continue the teaching. Say it after me. I need to continue the teaching and the doing. So the doing was the works that Jesus did. And he says, until the day in which he was taken up after that, through the Holy Ghost, he had given commandments unto the apostles whom he had chosen. To him also he showed himself alive after his passion by many infallible proofs, being seen of them 40 days and speaking of things pertaining to the kingdom of of God. So the point is, he showed himself over and over again, and his teaching over 40 days continued with the disciples, things pertaining to the kingdom of God, about which they still had misunderstanding. Being assembled together with them, commanded them that they should not depart from Jerusalem, but wait for the promise of the Father. The promise of the Father is the promised Holy Spirit, or the Holy Spirit of promise. Is that okay? Which he saith, you have heard of me, but for John truly baptized with water, but you shall be baptized with the Holy Ghost not many days hence. And it was said in John chapter 7, on the last and the greatest day of the feast, Jesus stood up and said in a loud voice, if any man is thirsty, let him come to me and drink. And out of his inmost being will flow rivers of living water. That was a little bit of what we were experiencing now. Isn't it amazing? You can laugh at the rugby match. You can laugh at comedians. But when you laugh in church, people say, well, that service was really funny this morning. Well, not funny. But that was a weird service, okay, when we're laughing in church. But laughter and joy should be natural. It's the Holy Ghost flowing out of us like a river. So in John chapter 4, the well of salvation that springs up to eternal life now becomes a river flowing out of us. And Jesus said in Luke 24, 49, he said to his disciples, wait in Jerusalem until you have received the promise of the Holy Spirit, the promise of the Father. Good? And he said this. And then in Acts chapter 2, verses 1 to 4, we actually read the historical account. It's not a story. It's not symbolism. This was factual. This was actually what happened. In Acts chapter 2, verses 1 to 4, and when the day of Pentecost was fully come, they were all with one accord in one place. And suddenly there came a sound from heaven of a rushing mighty wind. And it filled all the house where they were sitting, and they appeared unto them, cloven tongues like as a fire, and it sat upon each of them. And they were all filled with the Holy Ghost and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. Now I'm going to try to connect a thread very quickly in the 20 minutes or so that I've got and just connect something for you. So if I speak quickly, will you listen quickly? And so here we see evidences of the baptism, the outpouring of the Holy Spirit. I'm going to just jump in and basically say it was God coming and presencing himself to fill the new temple. Okay. And so we see um, historical precedence to this. Why was there a rushing wind? Wind is very often um, associated with clouds and storm, and it's not too much of a stretch. Theologians have looked to see where in the Bible do we get these two figures from, wind and fire. 
And so I want to just try and connect it quickly. In Exodus chapter 19, verse 6, God says to the whole nation of Israel, I've chosen you to be a kingdom of priests. Not priests in a kingdom, but you're a kingdom made up of priests. At that stage, it was just Moses. Later on, God chose Aaron and his sons. But that was not God's original intent. God's original intent was that everybody were to be priests. It's reflected in Moses' wish in Numbers when the Holy Spirit was put on the 70 elders, two of which were not there with Moses. They were in the camp, and the Holy Spirit fell on them. And, you know, one wanted to go and stop them. And Moses said, I wish that all God's people could prophesy. In other words, that they were prophets. So God's intention is for everybody to be priests. Is that okay? Not a priest and then, you know, laity. God wants priesthood, the priesthood of all believers, all right? And so when God called them, God said, come to the mountain. I've set limits. Don't break through. I'll call you when it's necessary. And then this is what happens, verses 16 to 18 of Exodus 19. On the morning of the third day, there were thunders There were lightnings and a thick cloud. I'm sure a wind was blowing as well. On the mountain, and a very loud trumpet blast so that all the people in the camp trembled. I mean, this incredible mountain. And suddenly there's thunders and lightnings and a thick cloud settles on it. Then, everybody starts shaking at the awesomeness of God's presence as it settled. I mentioned the mountain of fire last week, if you can get it. Watch it. Then Moses brought the people out of the camp to meet God. Now, this is a God of manifestation. Is that okay? It wasn't invisible, intangible, unfeelable, untouchable, silent, where we have to imagine. This is God descending on the mountain in awesome power. To this day, the top of the mountain is burnt black. Rocks have been metamorphosized. Okay? And then Moses brought the people out of the camp to meet God, and they took their stand at the foot of the mountain. Now Mount Sinai was wrapped in smoke because the Lord had descended on it in fire. The smoke of it went like the smoke of a kiln, and the whole mountain trembled greatly at the presence of God. It shook to its foundations. And I remember something like that happening in Acts chapter 4 when the disciples were released and told not to preach in the name, and they prayed for boldness, and it says, and the place where the meeting was shaken. I kind of think it was because God just came. And then the people were so afraid now, they say to Moses, you speak to us, but do not let God speak to us lest we die. And the Israelites stood far off while Moses spoke with God. I mean, how ridiculous. They stood far off. They just went like... This is too awesome. (laughs) So I think they were all standing parallel with Moses. This is the way they used to do it in the army. Vasaman, stand still. The rest of the platoon, six steps back. And Vasaman standing, thanks for volunteering. (laughs) So here's Moses standing, you know, at the foot of the mountain, and they go like, we don't want to hear this God. You listen to him. You come and tell us. Well, that was not God's intention, but the awesome glory of it. So what God had to do was God now, because they would not come to him, God had to institute a plan whereby he could come to them. And so he came to them in the building of the tabernacle. So he gives elaborate plans for the tabernacle, and the whole tabernacle system becomes extremely, extremely prophetic, and there's just too much in it. And um, on the day that it's 
basically instituted, it's erected, it's set up and everything. It says in Exodus 40 verse 34, then the cloud, the cloud, everyone say the cloud, covered the tent of meeting and the glory of the Lord. And in places in Exodus and Numbers, it'll tell you the glory of the Lord was like fire. Everybody say, and the glory filled the tabernacle. So here it is again, cloud and fire, you know. And we could easily associate, you know, wind with clouds because clouds come about also by wind. So immediately after this, in verse 38, we are told that the Lord will lead the people during the day with a pillar of fire. So there was a cloud by night and a pillar of fire by day. So Exodus 40, 34 to 38, then the cloud covered the tent of meeting and the glory of the Lord filled the tabernacle. Moses could not enter the tent of meeting because the cloud had settled on it and the glory of the Lord filled the tabernacle. I mean, wow. I'm looking forward to the Sunday morning when we come in, it happened. You saw the clip last week where people just started walking in for the evening meeting and they just started to fall out in the foyer over there. I'm looking forward to the day when we come in like we can't stand. We've got to crawl and we just lay on the floor. Glory, glory for hours, you know, maybe days, you know. Maria Woodworth Etta preaching. And she steps forward to make a point. And just like that, she's caught up into the spirit realm. Three days, her body is standing like this. It was a sign and wonder. People came everywhere to come and see her. She was just frozen like this for three days. Mid-sentence in her sermon. People come in. When they came into the place, they were just struck down by the glory of God. People got healed. And on the third day, at exactly the minute on the third day, she starts preaching again right at the sentence where she stopped. But they asked about it afterwards, and she was caught up, and she was having conversations with God in heaven. Come on, everybody. Everybody say amen. And so Moses couldn't enter because of that. But it says this, whenever the cloud lifted, they would set out and they would then move and they would follow the cloud. What is God trying to tell us? That his manifest presence will lead us. Is that okay? Everybody say led by the Holy Spirit. All right. So we need to be led. So when we come to the ordination now of Aaron and his sons, they go through an elaborate ordination process, sacrifices, locked in the tabernacle for so many days. And it says, and Moses and Aaron went into the tabernacle of the congregation and came out and blessed the people. And it says, and the glory of the Lord appeared unto all the people. Everyone's going, wow, the glory. You know, isn't that awesome? I want to see visible glory. I mean, we have to take it by faith, isn't it? But I want to see visible glory. But look, when people fall on the ground and they're laughing and weeping and touching, that's visible manifestations of the glory. Everybody say amen. Okay. And it says, and then there came a fire out from the Lord and consumed upon the altar the burnt offering and the fat. And when all the people saw it, they shouted and they fell on their faces. Woo, glory. I'm looking forward to that day. Everybody said glory. So we come then to the temple that was built later. The tabernacle falls into disrepair. For a long time it's at Shiloh. And then the ark is captured. Then they regain it. And then, you know, David gets the idea to build the temple of Solomon, which called Solomon's temple. But when it was finished, in Second Chronicles 7, 1, now when Solomon finished praying, fire came down from heaven and consumed the burnt offering and the sacrifice. And the glory of the Lord filled the house. Come on, church. Yeah. What's God trying to tell us? That his place, his church, is to be a place where God's glory fills the house. Is that okay? If it doesn't, is it his fault? It's something that we're not seeking, something that we're not pressing into. Look, it's easy to get into religion like this. Just one service, ignore the Holy Spirit, and you're into practice. Is that okay? So... Ezekiel 43. Ezekiel's an incredible book. We don't quite know what that temple is all about. I think it's all prophetic. I'll study it and I'll tell you. 
So I'm studying so many things now. Oh, my word. But in Ezekiel 43, Ezekiel sees the glory of the Lord leaving the temple of Jerusalem and written over it as Ichabod. In other words, the glory has left. But later in Ezekiel 43, he sees the glory come back and it's now Kabod. The weightiness, the heaviness, the glory of God is back, you know. And of course, really prophetic of the day Jesus walked into the temple, the glory came back. But it was only a partial fulfillment. Is that okay? The rest of the fulfillment was in Acts chapter 2 when the Holy Spirit came. That's when the kabod came back to the temple. Is that okay? So Joel prophesies as it gets closer to the Old Testament, and it's almost like the fire and the wind is there in the background, but Joel prophesies in Joel 2.28, which Peter then prophesies just later in Acts chapter 2, and he says, you know, in the last days I will pour out my spirit on all flesh, and your sons and daughters will prophesy and dream dreams and see visions, and, and then I will perform wonders in the heavens. And so when Jesus comes, he's described by Paul in the book of Hebrews chapter 1 is that he is the radiance of God's glory, the exact representation of his being. But the amazing thing is in John chapter 1 verse 14, he says this, and the word, talking about in the beginning was the word, and the word was with God, and the word was God. And, and then, but later in verse 14, he says, and the word became flesh, the word of God became flesh and dwelt among us. Now, some translations will say tabernacled among us. And we beheld his glory, the glory of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. So now the glory was not so much cloud and not so much fire and things like this. And John says, we beheld his glory. But, but listen, I, don't, I want to not contradict myself. But yet when he did the miracles in, later in John chapter 2, he thus revealed his glory when he turned water into wine. So the miracles was glory as well. Is that okay? But the notice that when it says he dwelt among us, or well, he tabernacled among us, he came. Why did Jesus come and tabernacle among us? Because his intent was that the tabernacle of that body would be taken down. The tent of that body would be deconstructed. And he would then rise again with a new spiritual body. But then we would become the body of Christ. Is that okay? And that then we would constitute the new temple and that he would then fill the temple. And so we can expect, and that's what the Bible writers are trying to get across us, that we can expect that wind and fire is part of this temple. Is that okay? Are you all following me? And so Jesus stands at the core of this temple because he's the cornerstone. He's the foundation upon which this temple is built. Paul said it in 1 Corinthians 6. He said, know you not that you are the temple of the Holy Ghost. Not only on Acts chapter 2 was this coming of the Holy Spirit something to do with the construction of the new temple, the putting together the new temple and God presencing himself in the new temple. It also became the city of God. Is that okay? Acts chapter 2. All right, these messages on that. But so it became the city of God. So here's the temple. Christ himself, the cornerstone, he's the capstone. The building is complete. Day of Pentecost comes, and now something happens. Here comes the glory. Here comes the presence of God. Because he's God with us, Emmanuel. Isn't that right? Jesus said, I will go, but the Holy Spirit will come. I will go, my other self will come. The advocate will come. So now Jesus is not present with one person, now he's equally present with all of the stones that make up the holy edifice called the new temple. Is that all right? So we can expect wind and fire. We can expect the wind and fire of his presence. Is that all right? And so we can expect manifestations because God is in residence. 
We can expect shaking buildings. We can expect buildings on fire. We can expect miracles, signs, and wonders because God is dwelling present with his people. And so it's important that we understand that because Hebrews chapter 1 verse 14 is really, really amazing. It says, are not all God's angels ministering spirits sent to serve the heirs? Everybody say the heirs of salvation. Not just the children of God, the heirs. Say heirs. If you don't know you're an heir of God, that you're a fully fledged son or daughter of God, they cannot serve you because it comes out of revelation. It comes out of revelation because you know who you are in Christ, number one. Number two, you begin to operate as a son and daughter, mature son and daughter. Then ministering spirits come to serve the heirs of salvation. Ah. And what God's trying to say, man, in a place where people expect my glory and my presence. Because Hebrews chapter 1 verse 7 says, he makes his servants, listen to this, wins. And flames of fire. So I believe a lot of what was seen, and especially like with the lightnings, because Ezekiel tells us and other tell us that angels come and go like lightning. And part of what they saw on Sinai, because whenever God shows up, he comes with angels. You read it, right through scriptures. Read Daniel, read Revelation, read Jude. You know, he'll be coming with these thousands upon thousands of holy ones. Wherever God goes, there's an entourage. Come on. So we can expect wind. And we can expect fire because they are ministering spirits sent to serve the heirs of salvation. Come on, when you're stuck with that order and you don't know how to do it, as an heir, you can expect the servants to come and minister with you and to you. I don't know about you, but I love this stuff, you know. Pastor and Alma and them, I just mentioned ministering angel once, and they said, you're coming back and you're going to just tell us everything about angels and your experience with angels. Listen. I want to tell you, the more we get into the Spirit, the more we press into the Spirit through that glory realm, the more we reside there, the more we experience the intervention, the activity, the ministry of angels doing things for us. Amen? It's incredible where it says in the Psalms that they hearken to the voice of His Word. Listen, can I just say, can I tell you this a little bit? If we speak God's word, there's a voice in his word. And it's God's voice in his word, even though it's your voice with which you're speaking. So they hearken to the voice of his word. Come on. And then they really, really get busy. I mean, that's so powerful, isn't it? And so I believe that day what was happening was that angels just came rushing in with the presence of God, cloud and wind and fire, because his servants are winds and flames of fire. And what happened was this pillar of fire that led the people of Israel suddenly broke up into individual flames, and upon the head of every single believer sat a flame. In other words, God was saying, I'm present with you, I'm present with you, I'm present. I'm not just present among you. Is that right? I'm not just here leading you as a nation. No, 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 no. I'm present with you and you and you and you. And there's a flame. Come on, he makes his servants flames. That's why you're too hot to handle. By the devil. Isn't that right? 
Come on, come on, we've had Satanists come into this church many times. Many times. Satanists come in, they sit in a strategic position. Ish. But as soon as they come in here, you check their eyes clock out. And then you see eyes behind eyes, and you know that they are really sickling to be in here in the same place where God is present. Amen. They've got to get up and run out because it's just too powerful. It's just too holy. It's just too fearful. It's too awesome. It's too much fire. Is that okay? And so his presence is something that we need. We saw it this morning. And listen, church, part of the revision thing is to reclaim his presence corporately. We need that corporate anointing. We need to get together. We need to be so comfortable in his presence that we can cooperate with manifestations. Is that okay? That people don't look and go, oh, here she goes again. Oh, here he goes again. The JD's getting drunk again. I wish you were all JDs. Oh, that all God's people would be JDs. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? I wish that we'd all, come on, let's, let's be susceptible to this word. Let's just be sensitive to the Holy Ghost. Is that okay? I promise you I won't think that it's strange. I've seen some really strange things in this place. I really have. I've seen people doing flick flacks forwards and backwards, up and down this church under the power of the Holy Ghost. I mean, really. People wanting to leave the service early, and then God strikes them with stuckness. (laughs) And they cannot get up and leave. There was one guy one day when he walked out, he got to the door, and that's where he stayed for hours. He was ready to leave, you remember? Brother Bostick, we called him for a long time. Because he couldn't move, he couldn't. His feet were stuck to the ground. We tried to pick him up, we couldn't move him. Somebody got stuck in between the chairs in the rows. Got up to go and was like, I can't move, I can't move. What's the matter, I can't move. I said, I guess the Lord wants you to stick. Just soak in his presence. Just stay where you are. Just get blessed. I told you, I've seen like amazing things. So one brother came forward one day for prayer, and his wife said he's so exhausted. He's not been, he hasn't slept in weeks with the business and then with stress and everything like this. It was over there. And he came down that aisle, and I walked up to him to lay hands on him. Before I could touch him, he hit the floor, and he went down forward like this. And as he hit the floor, bah, he erupted in snoring. <laughs> fell on his arm like this, and for two hours he slept like comatose. Out, snoring at the top of his head. I said to his wife, is it always like this? <laughs> yep. I said, should we pray for you because maybe you don't sleep? <laughs> but when he got up there, he said, yes, I feel like I've had a month's holiday. He was completely refreshed. Come on, everybody say, Glory. And so we need the presence and the power of God. We need God to come and do something. Amen. And so the main thing that I wanted to bring out, I'm not going to go into all the advantages of the presence of God, but the main thing that I wanted to bring out is that, um, let me just read you a quote. Luke 5, 17 says, this is Charles Spurgeon. Listen to what he says. Listen carefully. There are no dilemmas out of which you shall not be delivered if you live near to your God. And your heart, and your heart be kept warm with holy love. He goes not amiss who goes in the company of God. Like Enoch, 
Do you walk with God? Yeah. And you cannot mistake your road. I mean, that's powerful. Should I read it again? There are no dilemmas out of which you shall not be delivered if you live near to God and your heart be kept warm with holy love. He goes not amiss who goes in the company of God. Like Enoch, do you walk with God and you cannot mistake your road? And if you walk with God, you're walking in the right place. I told you, was it last week or a couple of weeks ago, about the drug dealer I met at the gym. And I invited him in, and he talked about the presence. You know, it was in that same period, I only saw him a couple of days. A man in an ex-SANDF hat, that brown hat, walking around, and he would walk around Venera Park. I only saw him a couple of times. This one Sunday morning, I was outside of the church for some reason, and he came around and he walked and he came up to me and he said, I have a very serious head injury from being in the military. He was blown up or something like that. And he said, I have a severe head injury. I'm in constant, constant pain, constant. I'm on morphine and all of these kinds of things. And uh, he said, I have to walk. Every day I walk hours around Bonera Park just to distract myself from the pain. He says, but I want to tell you something about your church. He says, many Sunday mornings, he said, I've walked down this road here, and I've come and walked around. And he said, and I walk, the church is open. He says, but I want to tell you, out of the doors of your church is flowing a great power of God's presence. I can feel it all the way on the road. He said, there's a word coming out of this church and a power and a presence coming out of this church that has touched me even there mm. on the road. I prayed with him, and I never, ever saw him again. Sure. See, we need, if unbelievers can feel that, how much more us? Come on, church. There's something about the presence of God that, and I want to finish with this. There's something about the presence of God that helps us to recover something that we absolutely need, and maybe some of us have lost, and that is the voice of God. The voice of God goes with the presence of God, hand in glove. Is that okay? Is it not interesting? The only begotten of the Father when he came was the Word, the voice, and he became flesh and dwelt among us. So, Genesis 3, 8 to 10. And they heard, I don't know what sound, maybe he came like the wind. Adam and Eve, and they heard the sound of the Lord God walking in the garden. What was the sound? I am convinced it was a wind. I'm convinced they could hear God coming the rustling in the, the trees. Maybe the grass starting to move. Yeah, comes gone. They heard the sound. If you heard this morning, I did not know what the band was going to sing. And I spoke about joy is the serious business of heaven. And then you start to hear the sound of God present. Come on, church. 
You heard it with the laughter. You saw it with the drunkenness. There's a sound of God's presence. But the incredible thing is, walking in the cool of day, Adam and his wife hid themselves from the presence, presence of the Lord. So what they were experiencing as he came, the sound was his presence. And it says, amongst the trees of the garden, it had to be a wind. Then the Lord God called to Adam and said, where are you? So he said, listen to this, I heard your voice. What comes with the presence of God is the voice of God. And church, part of our revision and remobilizing prayer, remobilizing a lot of things, is the fact that we need God's voice. Now, I'm not going to go into others. Maybe I'll deal with that next week. I'm skipping out a lot. But basically, there's three reasons why we need to reclaim, recover, re-listen to the voice of God. You know, I like what Robert Morris said. He said, believe it or not, he said, I come from an era where there was no caller ID on the phones. Yeah. Aren't you glad for caller ID? Yeah. Because, you know, the other day Bev phoned me, and I said, hi, who is it? And she said, it's me, Bev. And I said, Bev, who? <laughs> that didn't happen. I'm just lying. That didn't happen. Because I would have had to buy her flowers. I would have been in big trouble. And I didn't need caller ID. I didn't go, oh, it's Bev Wasserman phoning me. Hi, my darling. If I pick up the phone and I listen, I know her voice. Yes. Exactly. Is that okay? Come on. God doesn't need caller ID. You don't need caller ID with God. When he speaks, you recognize his voice. That's where we're supposed to be as a church. And the incredible thing about this, three things quicker than I'm going to shut. All right. Is number one, very often we experience purpose shift. I like what Jared Cooper calls it. He calls it missions drift. And, you know, the busyness of life and all that kind of thing, you know, the, God doesn't condemn us for that. But very often we just shift a little bit off our purpose. We can lose focus on what our purpose is. What is our mission? And so we, when we recover God's voice, when he starts to speak again, he just brings us back to the central purpose of our mission, to what he's called us to do. The second thing that happens with us is that when God speaks and leads and gives us vision, he doesn't give us a 10-year plan or the whole picture at once. It's a proceeding word, and it's normally a step-by-step -step guide. Is that okay? God just said to Elijah, when Elijah started running, and he got to the broom tree, and then he was hungry, and the angel appeared and cooked for him and said, eat and sleep, and he slept, and he was able then to continue with his journey. But then God spoke. I mean, not the angel. The God spoke and said to him, go to the brook Cherith, and there he sustained him until the brook ran out. And then God said to him, go to Zarephath. I've prepared a widow to help you out and to feed you. And so he, you need the proceeding word. Come on, church. We can end up in a cul-de-sac, or we can stall in our vision, because some Somewhere we've lost the presence, and in losing the presence, you know, God's voice is not so clear. I, I just remind you, and then I'll come to the third point and close. Pastor Tini Cronier once said to, <laughs> said to God, I mean, he was a man of prayer. I mean, that guy, he prayed, oh my word. And uh, he said, God, why is it? Why don't, you know, he was asking the Lord about something, and, and he said, I didn't really hear you clearly. He says, why don't you speak louder? He said, you always just whisper. Why don't you speak louder? He says, I only need to speak loud to people who are far away. If you're near to me, I just need to whisper. Yeah. Amen. 
glory. Amen. Last thing. And that is, God is very often doing new things. And so we need to be listening. Because sometimes God is doing something new with you. Yeah. Is that okay? And the important and incredible thing is, you know, one of the things about God is He doesn't ever mind taking you on the scenic route. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. Never mind. We're always looking shortcuts, everything shortcuts. Let's get there directly. GPS, quickest route, you know, fastest route. Might be longer on the highway, but fastest route, GPS. Listen, with God, there's no GPS. If you follow the Lord, sometimes He takes you on the scenic route because what He wants to do is take out of you what was from the past, and he wants to put something in you that relates to where you're going. So like with the children of Israel, God was trying to take Egypt out of them so that when they got to the promised land, the promises were already in them. Are you with me, church? So we need to recover the voice of God. So let's pray. So Father, I just want to thank you for your word to us this morning. Thank you for your powerful presence. Thank you, Lord, for just touching us and refreshing us. Thank you for revisioning us. And Lord, we just anticipate... Lord, coming weeks, months, days ahead of us. God, we just bow our heads and our hearts this morning, and we say, Lord, speak, for your servants are listening. Lord, we don't want to be deaf Eli's. We want to be listening Samuels. We don't want to be Eli's who live outside and away from the Ark of the Covenant that represented your presence. We want to be Samuels who pressed in behind the curtain and slept as close as he could next to the ark, next to your presence. And Father, that our lives would not be written over with words such as, and the word of the Lord was rare, and the candle of God had almost gone out. Lord, we want written over us that not one word that we spoke fell to the ground like Samuel. Lord, that we are here. Father, I just pray right now, but by your Holy Spirit, Lord, would you just help us tune our senses, tune our seeing in such a way that we're careful what we look upon and what we watch so that we can see the movements of God Lord, that you would give us ears and refine our hearing. You said, take heed unto what you hear. Lord, we don't want to just hear blah, blah, bad news, blah, blah, COVID, blah, blah, corruption, blah, blah, this, blah. And we miss the voice of God. Help us to tune our spiritual senses of hearing. God, would you you tune our other senses, our spiritual senses of smell, of taste that we can taste and see that the Lord is good, of touch so that we can discern, that we can sense, that we can feel. Father, that we will recapture your presence and your voice and get back to our purpose. We pray it in the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. Thank you, my Father. Now, just while you close, this is what I do. I do it every Sunday. Every Sunday, I present my senses, my physical and spiritual senses to the Lord. Every Sunday, before I come to a meeting. Sometimes it's while I'm driving up. I just say, Lord, I present to you my seeing. 
present to you my theory, my spiritual senses. I present to you my spiritual sense of taste. I don't know about you, but this morning, did we taste and see that the Lord was good? Amen. Yeah, this is better stuff, eh? Amen. And smell. What were you smelling? You could smell the aroma like a perfume, the aroma of Christ. I was going to say that many times. We had it once. Andre Schroeder was young. Everybody that was down the front here could. It was a strong smell of myrrh. Myrrh. The sweetness of his presence. And the spiritual sense of touch. That's your, just your, your sense. Sense. Sometimes you don't see God, don't hear God, don't smile, don't touch. You sense God. You sense like, like you're driving in the car and you just sense he just came in and sat in the passenger seat. Just get those kisses. <laughs> Come on, let's present. Lord, I present to you. Come on, say it. You pray the prayer. I present to you my seeing, my hearing, my smelling, my tasting, my touching. That I be more sensitive to you. Lord, we need you. We need your presence. We need your voice. Lord, we just need to recover those things. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. We need you, Lord. We need your presence. So, Lord, I just speak to your people now. Speak to their senses to be refined, to be sharp, to be sensitive. God, will this be a week where you speak so clearly to your people? In Jesus' name. We all agreed, said, Have I told you lately that I love you? Come on, I love you, church. I really do. With all of my heart, I love you. I pray for you. I pray. When I know that you're struggling, I'm praying for you. Spend hours praying, 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 praying for you. I care about the struggles that you go through. How much more him? Amen? I'm the, I'm the hireling. He's the true shepherd. So imagine how he feels about you. Praise for you. Praise for you. If I see you down one Sunday in that week, I'm praying for you. If I know of the situation, I'm praying for you. I hate sickness. I hate suffering. I hate death. I hate it with a passion. That's why I want to push into God and that this is a place of glory and power and presence. I pray for you. 